steps are getting longer and longer for me. Amen. How many of you know that? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm glad you I'm the only one who had to raise my hand on that. But by God's good. It's good to be here today. I thank the Lord that I'm able to be out and to be able to preach the Word of God. I've been in the ministry now for 40, 44 years this past May. My wife and I sold our house in Ohio and moved up into a ministry here in Michigan and, and uh, got stuck up here. Amen. So I'll just clarify everything right now real quick. I am still an Ohio State fan. What can I say? Just <laughs> I knew I was going to hear that. Amen. <laughs> and of course, you guys whooped us the last two years pretty bad. I don't know what's going to happen this year, amen, but uh, I don't watch much football, but I do watch the Ohio State-Michigan game, amen, every year. I try not to miss it. God is good, and uh, I've been in evangelism now for uh, 35 years, um, and uh, this month will be 35 years, this next month, rather, 35 years. I've been traveling around the country, been around the world, been to uh, New Guinea, Australia, uh, Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, been uh, all over the place. Plan a trip, uh, preacher, in March. Uh, hopefully, first two weeks of March, I'll be in Peru and uh, working with 40 national pastors. Uh, if the Lord will let that happen, I have to speak with my cardiologist. I've been having a number of problems again. I have a pacemaker, a defibrillator. I had uh, open heart surgery back 15 years ago. And, uh, and then I just had some problems recently here. So I don't know if he's going to allow me to fly or not, amen. But my plan is not going, amen. I just don't want to spend the money and buy a ticket and say I can't go, but uh, that's what's going to happen probably. It had to happen before. But God is good. Ephesians chapter 4 with me, if you would this morning, please. Ephesians chapter 4. Pastor, uh, uh, probably at Holyoke, I came and did a, mission, uh, I did a revival meeting one time for Pastor Tharp and then preached one or two other times while I was up there. I can't remember when it was, but I do remember meeting you, I think. <laughs> been busy, amen. But his pastor, Pastor Marty Schott in Torrington, Connecticut, uh, New Hartford, Connecticut now, was, um, uh, grew up in the same church my wife grew up in in Northeast Ohio. So I've known his pastor for, well, I've been saved for 50 years, brother, you know. And uh, what a blessing he's been in my life also. The book of Ephesians in chapter 4, and I want to begin reading. I just want to look at a couple of things with you real quick. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I want to begin reading down in, in um, uh, verse 17. He makes this statement, he says, uh, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, of course, he wrote this, this letter to the church in Ephesus. This is a church, can I make this statement to you? Ephesus is not a church of Jewish people, Pastor. Ephesus was a church of Gentiles. And uh, now there might have been some Jewish people there, I don't know, but this was a church of the Gentiles. And I like what Paul says as he's writing to them. He says, um, I'm telling you now, he said, listen, don't walk as others walk. Don't walk like the rest of the people outside the church. There ought to be a difference with people in the church and people outside the church. Would you agree with that? Amen. There ought to be a difference between the two groups. And, but the problem is today, I don't see much of a difference anymore, Pastor, in a lot of churches. I mean... I'm really, I really get embarrassed sometimes when I'm in certain areas and I'm asked to preach certain places and, and then you come in and, and, and preach. I mean, I've, I was in a church one time where the pastor came in on a Sunday night with a pair of shorts on. 
And now, it, I have I've never been back since, amen. I'm just saying that, because uh, one long preaching, he's going to hear about it, but uh, I've never been back since. I'm just simply saying it's almost an embarrassment sometimes to be around some people who say they're born again believers, saved by the very grace of God, but they don't. They don't look like they're saved. They don't act like they're saved. They don't talk like they're saved. And Paul's just simply warning these people, don't live like those outside the church. Don't live like those who are not born again. Don't live like those who, who are not part of you. Don't be like that. We are supposed to be separate, the Bible says, amen. So he goes on to make the statement. He said, "Watch." Well, he said, having the understanding darkened. This is what the world is. Their understanding is dark. They don't know the truth. They don't see the light being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Their heart is blind to the truth. They don't know the truth. They're going to do some things that you and I would never, hope you wouldn't even think about doing or want to do at least or even consider doing as a born-again believer. Amen. He said, that's the world. They're blind. They don't know the truth. Sometimes when we go out, pastor, and you, you door knock and you visit people and and uh, sometimes people try to get people straightened out the door rather than get them saved, amen? What are you drinking for? Why are you smoking? Why are you taking drugs? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? No, the issue is the salvation of the soul. And once that gets straightened out, I'm not going to say when, when you get saved that everything is perfect because I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, 1974, January 15th, I struggled with some things after I was saved, brother. Most of it went out the door. I'm telling you, my language cleaned up, my, uh, the alcohol cleaned up, the drugs cleaned up. A lot of things cleaned up. Well, I still struggled. I struggled with anger and I struggled with bitterness. I struggled with a lot of things as a born-again believer uh, that, boy, God has dealt with me over and over and over and over and over again as a born-again believer saved by the very grace of God. He's had to work in my heart. And even to this point today, it don't take me much to get my hackles up, brother. Let me tell you, amen. Has somebody ever tried to hurt with my grandchildren? I'm around there. I, I, I feel sorry for them. They try to hurt my wife. I feel sorry for them. Amen. They do to me whatever they want to do. Somebody asked me one time, what would you do, Mike, if you're at an ATM? And somebody came and stuck a gun in your back and said, give me your money. I like to think I give my ATM card and say, you're going to get $300 at a time. Have fun. Amen. Here's the number, by the way. I'll change tonight, but you got a couple of minutes to get... Go ahead and get that money out. You're, you're fine. But you only do it one time today, you know, and I, that's what I like to think. Now, if my wife and kids were there, my daughters or my grandkids were there, and my son, I would turn around and give them that. That's what I would do. But I don't know if I could do that if I'm by myself. I like to think I could. Amen. I like to think I would do that. But I probably am going to heaven because I'm going to try to take the gun out of his hand and shoot him with it. Amen. Just, just kidding. Amen. But this, that's my mentality. It's just how I am. And I don't, I don't like that. Amen. I, I don't want to be vengeful towards people. How about you? Well, there ought to be a difference between us and the world. Watch verse 19. It says, Who being fast feeling, who given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. This is what they do. They live a wicked, lascivious, sensual lifestyle. He said, with greediness. I've seen some Christians who are very greedy people, amen? I've seen some churches. I know of a church right now, pastor, has got $200,000 in the bank. Just talked to the pastor the other day. And they, they won't take care of him. They don't take care of him, amen? I know of another church recently that um, a good friend of mine, that um, one of our evangelists from COME, as a matter of fact, from Come International Baptist Ministries, 
started a church out in New York a while back, about uh, 13 years ago now, I think. And this last year, I mean, they built a gymnasium, they paid cash for the building, I mean, bang, 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 bang. And this last year, they had, uh, oh, about $140,000 in the bank. And the preacher says, uh, he said, no, he said, that's too much money for us to have in the bank at one time. He said, because something's going to happen where we're, we're just going to, we need to use God's money. So they put it in their missions account. They do faith promise missions. They put it in their missions account. They gave every missionary they support a year's worth of support, plus took some more on. You know, because they didn't want the money to go away. Sometimes that, some, some people, the world would not even think about that, amen? But sometimes the church is so tight that they don't want to do stuff either. We need to be careful, amen. He said, and who best past feelings, in verse 19 again, have given us over into lasciviousness to work all uh, uncleanness with greediness. Now, here's what I want to look at. But Paul tells us church in Ephesus, church of Gentiles, he said, but ye have not so learned Christ. You know what that means in English? In English. <laughs> means you know better. How many of us know better? How many of us have done something we still know better we should not have done, amen? Even yet, amen? Even yet. So Paul says, you have not so learned Christ. He says, you, he says, you know better. Why? You know the truth. Why, how do you know the truth? You know the truth because you've been in the Bible. You know the truth because you've read this. You know the truth because you study it. You know the truth because you have your devotions. You know the truth because you go to church. You know the truth because you're in the preaching. You know, you know the truth, amen, because it's the Word of God. That is the truth. There's, there's not one lie in the Bible. This is the truth. So he tells you and I, but ye have not so learned Christ. I believe we can apply that to you and me today. You've not so learned Christ. It doesn't mean you haven't learned about Christ. It means you know better. So he says in verse 21, if ye, uh, so, if so be, you know better, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That's the word of God. You hear him and you're taught by him through the word of God, through the preaching, through the teaching, amen, through the living. You, you hear the word of God. You ever, um, you ever, uh, yeah, let me put it, you ever been out of source with God? Anybody here ever, uh, um, you, you might not be like me, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord if you're not. My wife would say, boy, that's good, let me tell you. <laughs> um, I remember one time, Pastor, when I was out of sorts with the Lord back in 19, I, I was just saved maybe a year, and uh, something happened, and I got, I, got, I got mad. Man, I just got away from the Lord. I quit going to church. Didn't want to go to church. One day I'm sitting on the couch in my house in Ohio. And uh, my wife's up the sink doing dishes. And I, I hear, we had lived on a dirt road and I had about an 80, 90 foot driveway. And I hear a car pulling in the driveway. You hear that gravel, you know. And uh, I look and here's the preacher and her brother. Her brother's a deacon in the Baptist church down in Ohio. And uh, they're pulling into my driveway. And... I looked over and I told my wife, I said, here comes a preacher and your brother. I said, go down and tell him I don't want to see him. My wife's Italian. And she turned around with great big brown eyes. I can't, I got squinty eyes, amen. And she turned around with them great big brown eyes. She's open right up to me and said, if you don't want to see him, you go tell him. So, you know, I hear, I hear the uh, knock on the door. 
And I get up out of my chair or off the couch and I walk down the steps and go to the door and uh, open up and say, what do you want? No, I said, come on in. <laughs> what a coward, amen. <laughs> but you know why, can I tell you why I didn't want to see him? Because they were living the truth and I wasn't. And they, their life, not what they said, preacher, not what they said. Pastor Don Bennett, you know him. Not what he said. He was one of the gentlest, kindest men in the world. Amen. And, and not what they said, but their life is what convicted me. And I didn't want to be around them. Why? Because they had the truth and living the truth. Well, you start to get out of sorts, but God, let me tell you, you better turn around. I remember her brother, I'll just give this quickly and, get, and move on maybe. Her brother came to me. My wife's brother came to me about a, oh, a month or two later. And he walks in my house. And he asked me this question. He gets right in front of my face. Right in front of my brother, I'll tell you what. Nose to nose is fighting stuff, amen. <laughs> he, gets, he, gets real, he steps close. He gets right to my face like this. And he says, let me ask you a question. Now, his name was Mike. My wife's grandfather's name is Mike. My wife's mother's name was Mikey. That's how they identify her, Mikey's kid, Mikey. And she married a Mike, amen. But he would call me Mikey. He would look at me and say, Mikey. And we're the same age. In fact, I was a couple of months older than him, but he was bigger than me back then. He said, Mikey, let me ask you a question. He said, if Jesus was standing right in front of you right now, and if he said these words, Mike, I died for you on the cross of Calvary. You trusted me as your Savior. I gave everything for you that you might have eternal life. Why could you not live for me just for a few short years? And then, anybody ever get that nervous laugh? You know what I'm talking about? You know that... that <laughs> Sound like Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> I laughed a little bit. He got right up into my face. I'm not, I'm not kidding. He got right up there like this. And he turned his head sideways where I could hear him in my good ear. And he says, it ain't no laughing matter. And he turned around and walked out of my home. And that was a turning point for me. Sin will convict you. Amen. People living right will convict you if you're living in sin. Well, I tell you, we need to, we, I think we just need to follow the Bible, amen. Let's get back to the truth of the very word of God. I always share things. My wife said, just preach the Bible, Mike. And I said, I know, but I get, I, I, I don't chase rabbits anymore. But man, them, them, them bunnies sure are cute, amen. <laughs> so he goes on to say, watch what he says. Verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man was to corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on a new man, he says, uh, which is after God, which is created, which after God is created in righteousness and what? And true holiness. So he said you need to put off and put on. That, that means um, now you can't work for your salvation, amen? Aren't you glad for that? 
is sealed by the blood of the Lamb upon the cross of Calvary. Jesus died for you, called upon him, asked him to forgive you. You are forgiven, period. That's just all there is to it. You can't do anything to get it. You can't do anything to keep it, amen. But we sure ought to do something to live it right. And I think that's what he's talking about here when we look at this, that you put off the old man. There's going to be things that are going to crop up to you, come your way, make you think different, where you need to make that thing right with God as a child of God. He said, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You can only get that renewing by being in prayer to God, in the word of God, and, and just walking with God, amen. He will help you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It starts at salvation, but it don't stop at salvation. It continues on. So then so he said, put on the, and put on the new man. So I, I get this thought of mine that I have. I don't have much of a mind, but I get this thought in my mind like this. Um, I'm, I'm looking out. I don't think anybody in here slept on what you have on right now, do you? Anybody in here wear these, wear your clothing for bed last night, your pajamas? Is this your pajamas? No. Uh, well, I have seen people come into church with pajamas, brother. I'm not... <laughs> I don't know. Why would I want somebody to see my little bunny hoppers on my pants, amen? <laughs> I don't understand that, amen. I've seen, I've seen that. I don't know if that's what they wore to bed, but I'm just beginning to wonder now, Amen. But I get this idea, put off. Same way you had to get up this morning, get dressed, and then put on. Put off the old, put on the new. So, the thought that I get with that is this. Did anybody get up here this morning, and ladies, did you get, did, ladies, did you get up this morning and go like this? Hair done. War paint, I mean makeup on. <laughs> I don't think anybody did that this morning, amen? So, you know, men, comb my hair. Some of us ain't got to worry about that, amen, anymore. <laughs> you might get there. I don't think so. You got a head of hair, man, let me tell you. Got a face of hair, head of, I can't grow a beard, can't grow a mustache, can't grow hair on my head. I mean, I can't tell you. My wife's got more hair on her upper lip than I got. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know she's not listening this morning because she's in church. You didn't record that, did you? <laughs> I'm in trouble now. <laughs> oh, you know, she was here. She'd be good. She'd look, here's, here's what I'd be getting right now. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on that. We need to put on that new man. Watch. Now watch, watch. Verse 25. He said, wherefore? Watch, the old man, wherefore was, he was a liar. Wherefore put away lying. That's the old man. The old man is a liar. I was a liar. Preacher, I can't stand liars. It, it just, I think the things that we were the most involved in are the things once we get saved that we hate the most. Amen? What you did before you were saved, especially if you were saved at a little bit older age, if you did what you did before you were saved, those things seem to be bothering you more now where it might not bother somebody else as much. I hate alcohol. I hate drugs. I hate filthy language. I do. Because that was my life. I hate thieves. I'm not talking about hate where I want to shoot them. I'm talking about just that... You don't want that in your life, amen. 
So he says again that you put off that old man. He said, wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Well, that's a new man, truth. For we are members one of another. Now, he's talking to the church again. Remember that. This is a church in Ephesus, a Gentile church. And he says, speak the truth, for we are members one of another. That's your church, amen. That's your church. By the way, in the church, when one hurts, we should all hurt, amen. When one weeps, we should all weep, amen. I'm not talking about maybe pouring down tears out of our eyes, Pastor. I'm talking the heart, amen. When, when somebody's hurting, we ought to hurt right along with them. When somebody's, when somebody's sick and down, we ought to feel for that. We ought to want to pray for them and take them and hold them up before the Lord as the children of God. I thank God for people who pray for me. I've got prayer warriors all around the world. My greatest prayer warrior for me just passed away a couple years ago, Dr. Don Green, one of my best friends. He said, put away lying, speak truth. And then he said, be ye angry and sin not. Hmm. Be ye angry. You think God th knew that you get angry once in a while? Well, when you get angry, sin not. How's that? How you respond to it, what you do. When, you, when you're angry, he says, sin not. Amen. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Otherwise, don't go to bed mad about it. Anybody here ever go to bed mad besides me? <laughs> I said one time in a church, I said, listen, I said, if you, um, you fellas, uh, any of you fellas ever go to uh, bed mad at your wife? You know, and, and I said, how did you sleep that night? And they usually shake their head, not good. And one guy goes, I sleep great because I'm not talking to her. <laughs> Next thing you heard was this, because she smacked him in the chest. <laughs> no, we're not to bother us. It ought to bother us. When you're angry and you're bitter and you're mad, something's going on that's not right. It ought to bother you. Because the Holy Spirit of God's working within you, and He doesn't want that anger to come out in a way that's going to hurt you or destroy somebody else. So then He goes on to say, Neither give place to the devil. Don't let the devil have rule in your life. Don't let him take place. Don't let him do what he wants to do. Don't let him lead you. Don't let him guide you. Don't let him direct your footpath. Let God direct your footpath. Let God guide you. Let God lead you. Don't give place to the devil. And then my life's verse. Everybody last one needs to tell them this is my life's verse. Let him to stole. Steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing he was good that he might have to give to him that needeth. That's my verse. When I first read that verse, when I got saved, brother, I read that verse, that's my verse. Amen. It might not make sense to you, but I was a thief. I wasn't a good thief. That's why I went to prison two times. <laughs> There's no such thing as a good thief. Amen. <laughs> Spent four years. A year the first time and three years the second time. And when I looked at that verse, I thought, boy, that's you, Mike. That's what you need right there. And so he says, let him that stole steal no more. But what's the opposite? See, stealing is greed. And then he says, but let him work with his hands to give. 
greed, the, un- the world, the Christian, give. Unsaved, greed, saved, give. Uh, you can't get no simpler than that. You think the Bible knows us? You think Jesus knows us? You think that, you think that when God worked this, wrote this word before you were ever born, before you were ever thought of, he knew that you would need this one day in your life as a born-again believer saved by his grace. I don't know, but I need this. And I need, Pastor, I need to remind myself of these verses in Scripture all the time. <clears throat> Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I think it's at Colossians also where he says, Let no filthy communication. I think Colossians are one of the others, Colossians are flipping, one of the other books. One of the books in the Bible, somewhere in those 66 books, it says, <laughs> Let no filthy communication proceed out of your mouth. See, all, all filthy communication is corrupt. But not all corrupt communication is filthy. Amen? Corrupt communication can be things that you would say that would hurt somebody just because you're angry at them. And you, here's your mentality. I don't care who it hurts. I don't care what it hurts. I don't care what they think. This is how I am. And this is how I'm going to be the rest of my life. And then we go back and we blame it. And we say, well, that's how I was raised. That's how I was brought up. Well, praise God, brother. I'm not living today like I did when I was raised. Amen. I'm not living today like how I was brought up. We shouldn't. Let no corrupt communication proceed our mouths, but, but that which is to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Hmm. We all want to minister grace one to another, amen. My mother passed away um, you know, about two years ago now, brother, 96 years old. Well, she was 12 days shorter than 96th birthday. And uh, I love my, love my mom, love my mom to death, amen. And always, always picked on her, always picked on her. Where are we going with that, Mike? I have no idea, but that's what I wanted to say, amen. <laughs> love my mom to death. What a great, uh, great person that she was. And I always told her, I said, Mom, I said, your first, um, first 70 years, because uh, God says three score and 10, that's grace. And I said, uh, you know, he's been, when she was 95, I says, You've been 25 years on mercy now. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, grace unto the hearers. We may minister grace unto the hearers. That what we say might be used to intend to help them. In grace in Scripture, when you see the word grace every time, except one place. One place talks about the flower fadeth. That's talking about the end of life. Every other time, preacher, that word grace deals with this thought. Look it up in a strong concordance. I don't know Greek, I don't know Hebrew, but I know the strong concordance, amen. And it says this, in the middle of that definition, you'll read something like this. Grace is a divine influence on the heart, or in the heart, that will manifest or show itself on the outward. So we're to minister grace one to another. What I'm doing in my life, ought to be, when the Holy Spirit's working in here, it ought to be coming out towards you. And then it goes on to say this, 
I'm going to go down to verse 31 and 32, and I'm going to come back to verse 30 in just a moment. Let all bitterness, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He said, let this stuff be put away from you. Don't, have, don't let it be part of your life. Don't let, it, don't, let it, um, don't let it fluster you when somebody else is not right. Hey, when somebody else is not right with God, you stay right with God. Amen? Somebody else is bitter and angry and mad. You, you don't, don't follow that line. You stay right with God. But I'm like, how are you going to do it if somebody's yelling at you and screaming at you? I'll tell you what, the same thing my pastor did, I hope. We had a man one day in the church that, after Sunday school, caught my pastor in the foyer after church and Sunday school. He used to be a deacon in our church. Stood there screaming at my pastor. My pastor told me about a week later, he said, Mike, I almost called you and asked you to come home. He said, I'm going to fly you back up here to help. And he told me what happened. I said, well, it's probably good I wasn't there, Pastor. Because I'm like this. I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to get between that man and my pastor. And say, so you need to stop right now. You just need to stop. Amen. But he was doing was not ministering grace. But my pastor took it and used it for the glory of God. Never raised his voice. I don't know if I could do that, amen. <laughs> I'd like to think I could, amen. Never raised his voice, never got angry at the guy, never, he was hurt by it, by what was said, he was hurt. The guy left and the pastor called me and says, Mike, pray because if he comes back this week, he said, I need the grace of God. Praise the Lord, the guy never came back, amen. <laughs> that was it. I'm just simply saying, folks, that we need to have bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I like that term malice. My thought on malice is this. My thought, no matter who it hurts, I'm going to get even. No matter who it destroys, no matter what it destroys, no matter if it hurts the church, no matter if it hurts the pastor, no matter if it hurts some other member in the church, I'm going to have my way and that's all there is to it. Malice. No. Shame on us. Amen. And he says, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let me ask you, how did how Christ forgive you? I have never met anybody in the world, around the world, yet that's been born again, truly born again, saved by the grace of God. Never met anybody yet where Jesus told them, no, when they wanted to get saved. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. Forgiving is hard. Can I be honest with you? It is. There is some hard, hard things. Because you'll never forget. How many of you remember things when you were just a little kid? I remember all the way back to about, listen, I'm only 71. I was old as some of you in here, older than a lot of other ones in here, but, but I remember all the way back to when I was four years old. I remember all the, I remember something I did. You don't need to know why I beat my brother up, but I'll never forget it, brother. I really did. Four years old. You remember, you remember a lot of things. You remember a lot of things. And there's a lot of things when you've been hurt, a lot of things you can't forget, you will never forget. 
but you can forgive. You have to have the forgiveness in your heart. doesn't mean you have to walk up to the pastor. Pastor, if you ever offended me and I walk up and say, I forgive you, brother. No, that's not what he's talking about. I don't have to come out and say I forgive you. I have to have it in my heart. And if you ever come to me and say, Brother Mike, I've done this and I'm sorry. I didn't realize it and this is what happened. And my, I have to, you know what I have to, at that moment, I have to say I forgive you. It has to be in here first. Because I can say it out here and it doesn't mean anything. We have to have it in our heart as the children of God. And then he goes on to verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Boy, I tell you what. How many of you ever grieved over, over uh, the death of a pet? Anybody here? <laughs> Amen. I had to have my dog put down. Remember that white dog we had, Abby? 16 years, and I had to put her down. And I was all right. I was all right after we put her down, put her in a, put her in a little hole and you know, and uh, walked away, and I was all right. I, I get back home, and I'm sitting in my chair. My wife says, how'd it go? And I just start bawling like a little baby. Good night. I never thought a dog would affect me so much in my life. I wanted to do that to my son once in a while. I don't know how that would have bothered me, but no. <laughs> he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. We grieve. But how much more... Does our sin grieve a holy, righteous God that does not know sin? Whew. I don't know about you, but I need to make sure I'm living the truth. He said, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. I'm so glad because there's some things I've done as a born-again believer, as a child of God, especially when I was first saved, that, that I wouldn't even begin to tell you about because it wouldn't do you any good. But I still had my salvation because I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Explain it, Mike. I can't explain it to you. I just know what the Bible says. I just believe the Bible. Amen? Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.